Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous few programs, I've been talking about the end of Romans chapter 1. There are a number of sins that are defined there that are described. Many people refer to Romans chapter 1 when they want to talk about inappropriate relationships that people may have with each other. But regardless of the motivation behind the judgment, what I would like to say again in this program is that the reason why people engage in sin, why people are struggling with various sins, is because of the emptiness within them, because they have a need to be loved, they have a need to be accepted, they have a need for understanding, for meaning, and they have a need to have purpose in their lives. And the sins that people are being tempted with are actually temptations of these deep-rooted needs that individuals have, that that's really the attraction of the sin. It has nothing to do really with the sin itself. It has to do with the deepest needs of an individual's heart. Now, in the beginning of Romans chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you, who passes judgment. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Now, an individual who's passing judgment on someone else who is sinning may not be committing the exact same sin, but they are still committing sins. And the reasons why they commit sins are the same reasons as to why others are committing sins. And so while an individual might not engage in the same sins as other people, they are still struggling with the same deep-rooted issues. And these issues need to be understood because we all share these issues in common. In truth, what happens is that a person ends up sinning because they are not depending on their God, because they are not relying on him, they are not trusting in him, they don't believe him. In many cases, people don't even believe that he exists. That was the context in Romans chapter 1. But even if a person does believe that he does exist, they may still not really trust him. They may not believe that he really will meet the deepest needs of their hearts, and so they end up engaging in these sins. And so what people share in common is their emptiness. And that's what I want to emphasize, is that everyone struggles with the same emptiness in the depths of their hearts. Now, even though people struggle with the same emptiness, again, they may be tempted with the same sins, and yet they may not engage in those same sins. I have found in some cases, certainly not in all cases, but I have found in some cases that those who are the most aggressive about telling other people that they are engaged in terrible, sinful, evil, wicked deeds, those people who tend to do that the most, sometimes I have found that these are individuals who are personally struggling with those same sins. And when they are condemning others, when they are passing aggressive judgment on others, deep down inside, what they're really trying to do is condemn themselves. They're trying to judge themselves and trying to put themselves to shame in a secret, in a private way, so that perhaps they might be motivated to stop having a desire 
or that their desires may be suppressed to the point where they will no longer struggle with these temptations. Sometimes people in religious positions will have a tendency to do that, of course not all the time, but regardless of whether it is the same sin or a different sin, it doesn't matter because the same issues are relevant to everyone. Everyone struggles with the same concerns. In the context of passing judgment, though, you know, there are opportunities to pass judgment. One form of judgment that I do believe is very legitimate and we should understand is that it is important to identify what sin is. And what I mean by that is that it is important to acknowledge that sin is sin, that certain manifestations that are the expression of the emptiness of individuals' hearts is still sin. If a person is engaged in sin, if they are committing sin, then call it what it is. I understand that we can easily look at an individual and say, that individual is hurting. That individual truly needs the love of God. That's true. But in saying that, I don't want to deny the reality that what they are doing is engaging in sin, that that person is sinning. It is important to live in the recognition of what the truth is and not live in denial in any way whatsoever. And so when it comes to judgment, we can pass judgment in the sense of identifying what sin truly is. Unfortunately, what people have a tendency to do, though, is they have a tendency to exercise judgment for the purpose of exercising condemnation. In other words, there's a difference between passing judgment giving a judgment in the sense of a declaration of the truth and expressing condemnation or giving condemnation towards someone else for the failures in their life. Those are two different things. On one level, it is important to live in reality and not in the denial of reality. But at the same time, there's no necessity to exercise condemnation except in some specific circumstances. So let me talk about the circumstances where judgment is probably not going to be very useful first. Judgment in the sense of condemnation, that when we pass judgment on an individual and follow it up with condemnation, it's probably not going to be very useful. I'm going to start with the unbelievers. When it comes to unbelievers, unbelievers, those who do not acknowledge the existence of God, or maybe they do, but they don't want to believe in Jesus, either way, an individual who has not surrendered to the new covenant, who has not surrendered to the truth of the gospel, when we provide them with a judgment and tell them that they are sinning and then follow it up with condemnation, it's not normally received very well. And one of the reasons why it is not received very well is because they are already ashamed of what they have done. They already feel condemned for what they have done. I know this might sound a little surprising, but I have found many people who are not believers, who are engaged in sin, and they do not want to continue in their sin. I know that might sound surprising, but I have found a number of people who struggle with these issues. And one of the reasons why they are unwilling to surrender to the new covenant, why they are unwilling to depend on the gospel, is because they are so ashamed already, because they are so condemned already, that they do not want to turn to their God in the condition that they are in, that this is why they reject their God. This is why they live in unbelief. And unfortunately, he is the only one who can set them free from the struggles in their life by meeting the deepest 
needs of their hearts personally, but because they do not want to turn to him because they are ashamed, then they are locked into this condition that they are never going to be able to come out of. It's an important thing to understand that condemnation towards individuals in this situation is not going to be very constructive because they are already feeling condemned and ashamed. Now, they may not be willing to tell you this, and they may try to hide their guilt and shame by suggesting that they don't feel guilty, they don't feel ashamed. When I say hiding, that means that they are going to pretend as though they do not feel ashamed or guilty, that they do not feel condemned, but deep down inside they are. And so be careful when you confront individuals and when you talk with them about the sin issues that we struggle with and about exercising condemnation towards them, because deep down inside they may already have deep feelings of condemnation. And I believe that it's important to be aware of this, and perhaps it is even more important to be sensitive towards the Holy Spirit, who I believe will give you discernment concerning these circumstances. To be aware of that, and to depend on Him, and rely on Him to give you insight, wisdom, and understanding in the individual circumstances that you find yourself talking with people. Now, that's the first circumstance, but the second circumstance is when we're dealing with individuals who have no guilt, who have no shame. Now, these can be unbelievers who are engaged in sin, who sincerely believe that that sin is acceptable, or they may believe that it is perhaps unacceptable, but they do enough good things in their life that they don't really need to be condemned, that their good works will perhaps outweigh their bad works, and that these are people who are unbelievers, who are identified as unbelievers. I personally believe that there is a wonderful opportunity for condemnation in the lives of individuals who do not really recognize that they are guilty, that they are going to experience the wrath of God at some point in their lives, more specifically, when they pass from this life and into the next. I believe that that is when the wrath of God will be expressed to them He will, of course, express his wrath when he is finally finished with allowing this earth to go on in the way that it is, but I personally believe that that day is still far off. Regardless of that, though, there is a wonderful opportunity to express condemnation to these individuals because they do not feel any sense of condemnation. They are living in denial of the condemnation. Now, how are you going to distinguish between individuals who are of this nature versus those who deep down inside do truly feel condemned? Again, you must depend on the Holy Spirit to give you discernment and wisdom concerning these circumstances. But I want you to be aware that there certainly is an opportunity to be condemning. Now, the purpose of it is not to just be condemning. The purpose of condemning an individual to actually declare to them that they are evil. Because of their evil deeds, they are going to be identified as being evil. The purpose of that is to not just leave them there and say, you are an evil individual, and I, of course, am not. That's not the purpose. The purpose of that is to say that you are evil, and this is why your God provided forgiveness to the entire world because you are in such a condition that you have no hope, you have no hope whatsoever outside of the mercy of God. To an unbeliever, this can have meaning in this context. It can have deep-rooted meaning. But an unbeliever struggling with this type of an issue is really no different than a believer who is struggling with similar issues. 
perhaps you have noticed that in the Christian world, there are a lot of people who really believe that they're doing pretty good, that they're okay, that they have overcome enough sin in their life that they can be compared with other people who have not necessarily overcome as much sin in their lives. These are religious people. They are also individuals who believe that their good works will in some ways outweigh their bad works. That is another form of religious expression. It is a form of religion because it is a system of bondage that they have subjected themselves to certain restrictions, certain rules, certain laws. And just as religious people do this in the Christian world, so also unbelievers do this, as I just described, an unbeliever who believes that they're doing pretty good, that they're doing okay. The only way that they can say that or that they can identify that is if they have a list of rules, of regulations, of laws, of restrictions, of some form of bondage. And this bondage is their own personal religion. So there are unbelievers who are religious, there are believers who are religious. But the point is, is that being religious means that you need some more condemnation in your life. That's what it means. A religious individual is an individual who believes that they have found favor with their God because of their repentance and obedience. And they need some serious condemnation because that will drive them to the point of recognizing that in truth, they have no obedience, they have no repentance, they have not become as holy as they claim that they have become. And the result of that will, of course, lead them to the condition of realizing that they themselves have no hope outside of the mercy of God. So everyone, everyone must be directed to the mercy of God. Many people need to be directed in the context of condemnation because that's what they will be more receptive to. Others feel so condemned that they are afraid to turn to his mercy because they believe that they will experience his wrath here and now as a result of all of their sin and that he won't be merciful, not merciful enough to them, probably because they have experienced a lot of condemnation from a lot of religious people. They may have even tried to engage in Christianity and they have been so overwhelmed by the condemnation from religious believers that they decided to be religious unbelievers instead. And when they pursue that, then again, they end up in a form of bondage and everyone ends up in the same situation of needing the mercy of God. And so I believe that all of this can be used appropriately in unique circumstances to lead an individual to the point where they recognize that they have a need for his mercy, in which case they can then be the recipients of his mercy. And when a person can be the recipient of his mercy, then they can get started in the life that he has actually called us to in the gospel, the new covenant. But until then, they won't even be able to get started. Now, I believe that this is what you need to understand when you go through, when you read and study the first part of Romans chapter 2. Because if you don't understand this, then it's very easy to go through Romans chapter 2 and fall into the trap of living a religious life of repentance and obedience, of doing good works because you are concerned about his judgment and his wrath. It's very important to identify these issues so that you can understand what's being conveyed. Now, I'm going to proceed in Romans chapter 2, verse 2, 
where it says, And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things, referring to the sins described in Romans chapter 1. Yes, his judgment will fall, and condemnation, and punishment, all of that will fall upon these individuals who are engaged in these things. But the the purpose of saying this, the purpose of telling us this, is to show us that we have a need for his mercy, that he has given to us graciously. He has given us mercy and grace, and we are to turn to him on that basis, so that we can begin to walk in the newness of life that he has called us to. Continuing in verse 3, But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? All right, now in verse 3 he says, Do you think that you're going to escape the judgment of God? Well, of course not. But you see, the reason why people are passing judgment on others and why they are condemning others is because in most cases they believe that they would not be judged, that they have overcome their sin. Again, you have to distinguish between the situations where an individual is passing judgment and giving condemnation for the purpose of encouraging an individual to turn to God for his mercy. But that's not what he's talking about here. In this case, he's referring to individuals who are condemning others, and yet they have committed sins. If not the exact same sins, they are still committing sins with the same motive, with the same emptiness within them, and they are going to be judged just the same. And so the objective is not to exercise proper judgment and condemnation in order to condemn an individual. The objective is to direct a person towards his mercy, towards the mercy of God. And to exercise judgment or to exercise condemnation or to present either one is only to be done for that purpose, to direct a person to the living God for his kindness, his tolerance, his patience, knowing that it is his kindness that will lead an individual to repentance. You see, the situation is, is that many people are trying to use his law to encourage an individual to repent, to obey. They're trying to use the law, believing that it is the law of God that will lead an individual to repentance. But according to Romans chapter 2, verse 4, the law will never do that. Passing judgment will never do that. Presenting condemnation will never do that. Well, it will in one sense, and that is that a person will repent from their unbelief and believe in the mercy of God, in the love of God. In that sense, it is true. But in this context, I don't believe that he's referring to that. I personally believe that he is actually referring to the fact that the kindness of God that the tolerance and patience and the love of God will do a work in an individual's heart to the extent that on occasion they will say no to sin, that they will repent in that way. So yes, it is true that this is a reality when it comes to salvation. That is true, that his kindness and patience will lead an individual to salvation. But it is also true that it is his kindness, it is his love, it is his acceptance, it is his patience. These things will lead an individual to repentance from the sins that they are engaged in, that they will say no to these sins, that they will turn away from them. But the fact is, is that there are people who do not know that. There are many people who do not know that it is the love of God 
that transforms an individual's heart. They don't know that. They don't realize that. Now, I've confronted a number of individuals about this, and I've asked them, did you know that it is a love of God that will transform an individual from the inside? They'll say, oh, yes, I believe that. Well, that's not the problem. The problem is everything else that they believe and everything else that they will say right after their confession of that very fact. It's not that people don't believe the truth. It's that they believe a bunch of lies on top of it to the extent where the truth is often suppressed suppressed to the point where it is non-existent. Now, of course, there are plenty of people who don't even believe the truth, but I am willing to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt because I have had many conversations with individuals about this subject, and I believe that this verse shows that people do not know and that they do think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience. Again, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation and the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds. Now, verse 6 tends to throw people off a lot because they read this and they think, okay, well, I better have some good deeds that he can render to, that he can render something to me because of my good deeds. And what are people looking for? They're looking for blessings. Blessings now, today, in their lives, while they are living their lives here and now, or they are looking for rewards in heaven for when they pass from this life into the next, either blessings for today, rewards in the future. If he's not able to deliver the appropriate blessings today, perhaps he will provide you with the appropriate rewards in heaven, that this is what people are thinking. This is what is driving individuals, and people focus on their works. They focus on the things that they are doing, the things that they are not doing, that they are doing righteous things, they are not doing unrighteous things, they are obedient, they are repentant. This is what individuals are thinking about. This is what people are struggling with. And I'm telling you something else, and that is that there is no way that you are going to be able to obtain his kindness. You are not going to be able to obtain his patience, his love, through your obedience and repentance. That's what he's been saying here. No, he's saying this because there are many people who can't get past this. There are many people who, according to verse 4, do think lightly of his riches, do think lightly of his kindness. They do not know that his kindness will lead individuals to repentance. And so these are people who will receive what is due to them because of their deeds. Why? Because that's what they want. People want to be blessed because of their works. They want to be judged because of their works. I know it might sound a little odd, but there are many people who I have encountered who are really living for their blessings, really living for their eventual rewards, that this is what is really important to them. They want to be judged for their good deeds. But if you keep reading, if you continue into this chapter, what I want you to understand is that there is no way that you are going to do enough to be blessed. There is no way you are going to do enough in order to be rewarded. That's the whole point. If you want to be judged and rewarded or blessed for your deeds, you're going to end up with nothing. You're going to end up with absolutely nothing. 
but people want to be judged. Now, partially, what they're really dealing with is that they want others to be judged also. They want others to be judged for their sins, but they want themselves to be judged for their good works. And what Paul is expressing here is that if they think that they're going to be judged for their good works, well, they're also going to be judged for their sins, just as these others are going to be judged for their sins. That if that's how they want it, then that's how they can get it. I know that there are going to be a lot of people who go before the Lord who have not been saved. And when they go before the Lord, there is going to be an expectation that they are going to be rewarded for all of their good works when they go and see him. But that is not what is going to happen. There will be a judgment. If people want to be judged according to their deeds, fine. I'm sure he will accommodate that. And the end result of that will always be eternal condemnation in the pit of hell. So if you want to be judged for your deeds, if you want him to render to you What you should deserve according to your works, I'm sure he will accommodate that. He accommodates that to unbelievers. That's who he accommodates when it comes to this. And those will receive eternal condemnation, eternal judgment, eternal fire. That will be the end result. So again, beginning in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, You are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds. So while, again, you think you're impressive, you're not. And he will express this to you in a very clear and concise manner. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. Who do you suppose is going to receive honor, immortality, and eternal life on the basis of their deeds? No one. And that's the point. No one will receive that. Everyone will experience verse 8. They will all experience wrath and indignation. That is why he had to come and forgive the sins of humanity. He had to provide his mercy and provide the restoration of his life to them so that they can be resurrected and born again as new creations in Christ Jesus. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.